you know, big community. It's just kind of one-on-one talking to people and, and, and keeping them accountable and help them achieve success. So I just, I just enjoy doing it. That's really kind of the bottom line of it, I guess. What's going on, guys? This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for joining in today. Today, our guest is Jens Nielsen from Open Doors Capital. Jens is going to teach us about the experience, the process, the results of moving from buying small multifamily deals, quads and such, up to buying 200 units at a time and starting a real estate coaching program and and what his experience has been like there. He's going to tell us all about his story moving to the United States from Europe uh, some time ago and some of the uh, important lessons that he's learned along the way becoming a successful real estate investor. For those of you who are new to the show and don't know, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I am a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator, and I'm a busy professional. I buy real estate with passive investors, love talking about investing, and I'm excited to bring this interview to you today. Once again, our guest today is Jens Nielsen from Open Doors Capital. This is a fun interview. Jens has a lot of knowledge. He's a busy professional and a successful real estate investor. So he has a very inspiring story for anyone out there who has a day job and wants to invest in real estate. Without further ado, here we go with Jens Nielsen. All right, Jens, thank you for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome, Taylor. Happy to talk to you and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for the listeners, can you tell us uh, about your story and, you know, where you are now? Yeah, so I mean, some people can probably hear from my accident from my name. I'm, I didn't grow up in this country. I'm actually originally from Denmark. Uh, decided to leave at a young age to kind of explore the world and actually made my way through London, England in the early 90s and then came to the US in 1996. I've been here about 20, 23 years now. Um, travel started on the East Coast, was in Maryland for a while, and then went west uh, through Albuquerque, New Mexico. And now I'm in southwestern Colorado in a small town called Durango. And that's kind of my, at least my physical journey. <laughs> um, and obviously the whole, the real estate is, you know, what's, what's uh, it's been happening in the last few years. I started investing um, three and a half close to four years ago now and it's been you know started with the smaller property it's been growing that portfolio quite rapidly over the last few years great so can you get us you know tell us about the numbers of your portfolio because they're bigger numbers than most people have so let's get into that (laughs) yeah absolutely so you know kind of been you know been in it for so many years and I realized one day if I ever wanted to retire, if I ever wanted to get some sort of financial freedom or, or multiple streams of income, I had to do something different. And everything I looked at just looked like another job. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it could be an IT consultant and everything. And I realized, hey, real estate is a really good path to grow um, grow your, your wealth and also generate that passive income that we don't really learn about, we all think, you know, invest in stocks and, you know, you grow your equity, but you can't live off the equity. You have to have some passive income to really, you know, be able to retire or whatever you want to call it. So I felt like, okay, real estate is the vehicle. And um, I got bit of much got started, you know, three and a half, four years ago by, uh, by investing my own capital in some smaller deals, bought a couple of fourplexes, um, down in actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That was the market that felt, um, 
comfortable to me because it's closest to where I live. And uh, well, it's the closest bigger city to where I live. Um, so within within six months period, we bought two fourplexes and 11 unit properties. So we had like 19 units uh, from zero to 19 in six months or something. So that was a pretty interesting, quick, quick um, growth spurt there for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, and then I was like, okay, this is pretty interesting. Let me, and I had had the discussions with friends and stuff. Hey, I'm, I'm investing in real estate. You know, if I ever find a deal, would you be interested in, in participating? And, um, they then, um, yeah, it's like, sure. You know, let us know. So we, um, in May of, so actually we had kind of a longer gap before we bought our next deal. So in, in about a, a little you know, a little bit later, we bought uh, 38 units um, in Albuquerque as well. And this is kind of a, a heavier value add deal, you know, typical somebody that's bought it and didn't really know how to manage it and were just bleeding cash and the units were just not getting updated and the tenants were not the greatest. So we bought that one and uh, been working on that. And uh, it's been a very interesting learning experience and we can dig into that more if you want to because we learned a lot of lessons with that deal. Um, and then, um, then after that, I bought another, well, then I kind of started diversifying a little bit. I bought a small mobile home park here in, um, in, in Southwestern Colorado with a partner. So that was kind of a different asset type, but we felt like the numbers looked pretty good. So we, we purchased that one. And then, um, then I started actually this year syndicating deals too. I partnered with some people that were doing syndications in various parts of the country and I was able to, you know, bring go in there and help help on the GP side there through various roles. So it's underwriting, due diligence, you know, capital raising and so forth. So that's been that's been the growth spur this year. Actually we've syndicated three deals that's over six hundred and fifty units just this year. So so it's been growing from having zero in 2016 to over 700 units that I kind of have my name on, if you will. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Nice. So that's very fast growth. And I would like to drill into some of those lessons that you learned on that kind of first medium sized property, if you will, because, you know, that's really, that's where we have the opportunity to, if you will, fail small and not that you failed or anything, but you can learn difficult lessons and they won't completely wipe you out on the smaller properties before you get into the bigger properties and you already know to uh, look out for those things. So let's get into that. Uh, tell us about what yeah. you learned. <laughs> and actually, so I should just kind of go back to the initial four places we bought and I actually just sold one of those like two weeks ago and I'm selling another one by the end of the year because I realized a couple of things, a couple of lessons on, around the smaller properties are, they're they're hard to manage a fourplex because you have you know you, you know unless you live there maybe you can self manage but otherwise you have to have a manager you know a, a property manager on there and they weren't in the greatest of areas so while the numbers looked great on paper the turnover and delinquencies and stuff like that kind of had a took a bite out of the profits in the uh, long run. So everything would go great for six months and then somebody lost their job, couldn't pay, and we had to evict them. So then you lose like two months of income plus the eviction fee and the damages and everything. It's like, oh, they just wiped out all the profits for you know that year. So uh, I'm kind of like, okay, I need to get kind of de-invest myself from those properties. So I'm selling those fourplexes to just kind of like, hey, it's a good learning experience. I didn't lose any money, but also 
I felt like my, my capital is tied up in something that I don't see myself owning in the long run. So I'm selling those and actually making some good profits on, on monodem. So that's, that's pretty nice there. Um, so I guess my lesson there was be very careful about the area and also just the numbers on paper does not always <laughs> translate to numbers in, 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 the, in the real world. Right. So is that the numbers not translating? Was that tied to, uh, do you mean, mean that in the sense of the vacancy or were there other numbers that didn't work out? Like you had a lot more maintenance items than you really expected or things like that. Like, what does that really mean that the numbers didn't reflect reality? Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you buy a property, uh, an investment property, you, you underwrite it first that, okay, here are my projected rents. Here's my projected expenses. Debt, debt service and everything else. And just like, okay, I can make eight, 10, 12% of my initial investment. Um, and you try to project, you know, Hey, my repairs and maintenance is so much every year. My vacancy is, is so much, but I think what we experienced a couple of things um, that because these were older properties and they had not been like fully rehabbed, we ended up having more repairs than we expected. You know, something would break kind of on a regular basis. And then when you have a property manager in there, you know, it's 50, 75, $100 every time that'd be called out. So if you have a couple of those calls a week, I mean, a month, that really adds up very quickly. So I think the lesson there was if you're going to buy something that's older, you may want to go in and really do a, a thorough updating of that unit. So you don't have those unexpected, unexpected expenses all the time for repairs and maintenance. Um, okay. That was one lesson. And then the other thing, you know, these were class C, maybe even C minus. And, you know, the tenant class, you have to kind of consider what is their ability to pay. And we would see, you know, hey, everything going great for a few months. And then somebody, you know, lost their job, their car broke down, they suddenly couldn't pay rent. You're like, well, that's money I need to pay my mortgage, right? So what do you do? You, know, you try to work with them. If that doesn't work out, you then go through the eviction process. But in New Mexico is not that hard, but still there's time and fees associated with that. And then you got to get it fixed up and leased out again. So in reality, it's probably two to three months before that unit is leased back up. So it takes a huge hit on your, on your income there. And then we had, uh, I mean, totally unexpected. We had a water main break in one of our properties. Ooh. So that was <laughs> suddenly water's coming out of the ground and we had to dig it up and fix that. I mean, that adds up, right? But those are kind of those long-term repairs that over time are probably even out. But um, it's just, there are always these unexpected things that you have to work through. And I think a lot of small investors, they get discouraged and they just, just say, yeah, this, this is not something I want to be involved in and get out of the game just again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, now you're in, in syndication, how did you first learn about syndication and what was your driving factor to say, I'm not going to be a passive investor in syndications. I'm going to be an active syndicator. What drove that? So I, I have also invested quite in quite a few syndication passive leases because I feel like I wanted to understand how that's done from the passive side. So that's what mm -hmm. I started with, but I felt, um, so the driving force was it kind of ran out of my own capital, right? It was tied up in this project that I was working on. I was like, okay, I can't really buy anything in my own account for a while, but I had made so many connections through, you know, part of a mentorship training group and other things that I've gone to, to a bunch of different events and learned people that were doing these bigger things. I said, okay, this is really exciting and something I want to be a part of because I realized 
people say, oh my God, a 200 unit apartment building, I can never do that. Well, it's, first of all, it's not one person doing it. It's a team, you know, you have a team putting the general partnership together. You also have a property manager, professional property managers, that's what they do. You have on-site staff and everything else. So in reality, the returns are much more predictable. The, you know, challenges you have are, you can deal with them easier because you have people there. You can, you can manage it. And, you know, if you get a few vacancies, they don't have as, huge, as big as an impact as it is on a small property. So, uh, you know, and I felt like I had had a lot of people that had asked me, you know, how can I get involved? I said, well, I don't really have anything, but you know, let me, let me start partnering with people. Maybe there's an opportunity to get, get some of my friends and family and network involved in passive investing in that, in that way. So that's how we, um, that's why I chose that route. And it's been super exciting. And I'm actually going to continue down that path here in the next, next year and, and uh, buy some more properties in that, that model. Great. I mean, it's a, it's a great model uh, to go down. And it's, it's good to know that you in, invest passively in syndications as well. I mean, I'm an active syndicator, but I invest passively in syndications because, well, one, I, I believe in the asset class and the strategy. And two, it's great to get the experience of being a passive investor so you can see the things that other sponsors are doing well and learn from them and then implement those things in your own business to make the experience better. Yeah, for sure. And you can also, you know, you can, you can look at what are, you know, the passive investments you're involved in, what, how, how are they structuring the, 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 the investment, you know, what are their returns? What are their hold time? You know, what, what are their communication like and so forth, you know, and you can look at what do you like and what you don't like, and you can try to put all the, try to put together, um, you know, a model or a package that works, you know, to the, you know, for the, the best interest of your investors. So, uh, so they really get that, that uh, confidence in you and the team and, and also, you know, the returns that they, uh, that they should have on their, on their hard earned money. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found that your international history and background helps you, uh, gives you an advantage in certain ways when it comes to either remotely investing in real estate or working with investors who are based outside of the United States or any of those things that, you know, that, that broader perspective might help you with that. You're more comfortable say communicating with people who are at a distance and all those kinds of things. You know, I think one of the things I have learned or the experience due to the fact I traveled all over the world, I'm kind of like, I'm used to dealing with people of different backgrounds and ethnicities and stuff. So I can probably relate to people's, you know, how do people, how do you build trust? Right. That's, that's one of the big things in, in, in a syndication because it is based on a personal relationship. And I've tried to develop methods that I can build that trust um, through, you know, if it's one-on-one, uh, meetings or if it's if it's you know people that i don't see on a daily basis i can only talk to them on the phone just try to understand how can i build trust for them and, and being and ha- having an engineering it background i'm kind of like i can explain the facts pretty well um but in in reality i think a lot of people invest through their emotions like they have to feel comfortable with you the numbers can be awesome if they don't feel comfortable with you they're not going to invest so i think just creating that rapport is, is really important. That's something I'm learning more about how to, how to get better at that. 
Um, so, and then to answer your question around working with investors from out of the country, I've had a few, somebody heard me on another podcast from Denmark and they kind of reached out to me and I had a few Zoom calls with them. We kind of got hung up on the whole, how do you transfer your money to the US and deal with all the tax and legal things? And it's, you know, it's not, I would like to do it, but I haven't really found the right structure for that. I don't know if that's something you've had an opportunity to do. Um, it's, there are some rules and regulations you got to keep in mind. You end up being like an agent for the IRS and so forth. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, that seems complicated. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I would like to do it, but I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, no, I haven't had experience with that myself. Um, my investors are all U.S. persons and live in the U.S. And that is a big question mark is how do they legally transfer their money to the U.S. And then you know, what are my or our, us as a team? What are our responsibilities to the IRS and and everything? And is it, frankly, is it worth the additional complication uh, to go through compared to you know, just focusing on working with U.S. based investors. And I think probably our conclusion so far has been that it makes more sense to focus on U.S. based investors. And, you know, it's not to say there's anything wrong with working with international investors. It's just it's not our setup. It's more of a specialized uh, skill, I think. No, I, I agree. And I think um, if they were able to bring, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, it may be worth it, but for your typical, you know, 50 grand, $50,000 investment, it's, it may not be worth all the headaches to do that. Cause I have heard that you have the whole, if, if you have to actually act as an agent for the IRS and you have to hold back taxes and then they can file a U.S. tax return to get that back. So you actually ended up like adding a lot of overhead for your, your CPA or your tax professional there in the syndication. So it's, there's a lot of money overseas, but you just gotta, you gotta do it right and, and, and structure it in a way that makes sense for everybody involved for sure. Yeah. It would have to be somebody, a, a fairly significant investor that can really help you close more deals because of due to the number of, of dollars that they want to invest because that additional overhead, exactly like you said, uh, say if somebody wanted to invest $25,000 or $50,000, it wouldn't be worth it, frankly, to Absolutely. go through the <laughs> extra oh. hoops. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, you're, you've been in various coaching and mentoring programs throughout the years. How did you, a lot, one of the problems with a lot of them is people will do these coaching and, and mentoring uh, programs and then not really turn it into real world results. But you did turn it into a result. So, you know, what's the difference? What helped you bridge the gap between the training and then reality and, and getting the results? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? I mean, I think, you know, information without action is just entertainment, <laughs> you know. And, and yeah. I mean, I had really a burning desire to to make a change. And I had bought a couple of properties before I enrolled in this coaching program. So I was already a little bit down the path, right? Like, okay, this is really what I want to do. So, you know, you, a coach or a mentor or somebody that's going to help you take action and hold you accountable and, you know, you know, look at your results. But if you don't have the burn desire and the really, that the really, you want to do this, this is like the most important thing to you right now. A coach is not going to, can't force you to do that stuff right so i really looked at it as a way to get educated 
to have some accountability to you know and expand my network um, and then just connect with people and I've done I do quite a bit of coaching myself now for newer investors and it's very interesting to see who are taking the action and who is not and and I really dig into like okay you said you're gonna call 10 brokers you didn't call any why not right so really try to understand and I've had some you know I had a kind of a um, very honest discussion with one of my my uh, my students here who has been with me for a while and as he was really excited when he got started and he just lost momentum. I was like, what happened? What's going on? He's like, well, I thought it was just going to be easy to just go out there and buy some properties and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if he felt like, Hey, I paid this money to, to do this coaching program and then everything is going to happen. And I think that's a, we can't make that mistake and say, just pay money that that's not going to do. You really have to be committed to this path and take, you know, take action. Your coach can tell you what, what makes sense to do next, but you have to take action and you have to be accountable to that action. So I think that's, that's really where I saw the value. Yeah. I think, um, that happens a lot with a lot of coaching programs is they might, and I'm not saying that you did this at all, but um, some coaching programs imply or, or flat out state that, you know, get in our coaching program and you're going to be on easy street. It's going to be so great. <laughs> Take our training and you're going to be a quadrillionaire in, in a year. And it's just not true. It's, it's not reality. You have to put the work in and none of those coaching programs are going to do the work for you because if, if it was automatic, then, why would they coach anybody to do it? They, it wouldn't make any <laughs> right, sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. If it was just a, a turnkey program. So yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Are there any other key lessons that you got out of uh, coaching that are important? I think that burning desire is very, very important. Very great. That's, that's great advice. Anything else that's uh, rung true to you? Just, being consistent you know i still have a w2 job so all this this real estate investing is a side gig that i'm working on making my main gig but just be super consistent around your efforts so that goes into your daily routines right don't spend all day on facebook or whatever else it is right so i'm very structured through getting up early in the morning and, and you know having dedicated time to doing various things and then working working, you know, reviewing my goals and, and just be clear about what it is I want and then break that down into, you know, tasks that need to be done. So it's, and I think this is where a coach can help you a lot is just keeping your focus, making sure you do things in the right order. Cause I see what a lot of people, as we just kind of talked about, a lot of people see somebody, you know, Hey, Oh, this person has, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on the management. There's no way I can ever get there. So I'm just going to give up. Well, in reality, if you look back the last, you know, this was an, an overnight success that took 10 years, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, and people don't realize that because, in the, you know, we're so used to instant gratification and, and things going to happen in a very quick, and then they're putting in that work. And it's like, it, you know, even if you're in a six month pro closing program, it may not seem like you're getting very far, but just that cumulative action day in and day out will eventually lead to to that success you're looking for just look at the have a long view right we overestimate what we can do in a year underestimate what we can do in five years so just keep doing the motions and that's what i every time any one of my students i kind of feel stuck i was like hey you are very close to the goal line just keep pushing and you will get there you know that's that's kind of my my mantra 
I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and an experienced coach can help point you in a particular direction and help give you the steps, but you have to do the work every day. Now, being a coach yourself, and it sounds like from what you're saying that the, the coaching is kind of a newer part of your business. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, it's been the last, I think I, I've been at it almost a year now, um, okay. but I've been really scaling it. So I've had, I've had like 10 students this year and I think I was adding about like a hundred coaching calls just this year. And it's, uh, you know, wow. I, it's something I actually really enjoy because I think, I don't know, I feel like I have this experience that I can share. Not that I've done it a long time, but I've been, you know, in management and, and, and other things for a long time. And I think that just having that life experience is something you can share and, and help with. Um, so it is, yeah, it is something that I am working on and growing a little bit, you know, as long in, because you know you don't do a deal every every week or every month, so there's there are periods in between where you're working on the next deal, you're stabilizing stuff. Where you where I have a little bit of time, and I feel like this keeps me fresh. It keeps me going with learning new things, expanding my network, connecting with people, and just helping helping people be um, be successful. I was actually in uh, so I live in Colorado. I was actually in in Orlando last weekend with one of my students. Had a meet up there. And I happened to be there for something else and I met up with him and that was really cool. We had a meetup and, and it was a good uh, experience to, to be able to help him out and, and, and do that. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. They say the best way to learn is actually to, to teach what you already know. It'll, it'll just recement <laughs> yeah. that. So that's definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely true. Interesting. Interesting. So we haven't had, um, we haven't had people talk about their, coaching programs on the show yet so that's that's interesting to hear about and uh you know what drove you to start a coaching program because it must have been over a year ago you were thinking about it or how long were you thinking about it and you know what, what did that process look like yeah and i was because hmm. i actually love i actually really enjoy teaching and i've done I've actually taught in college or in, in community college, IT stuff. So I felt like I actually enjoy it. Um, I, knew, I haven't really had an opportunity to express that in 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 my day-to-day -day life, except at work, you know, I do some there. So I felt like this, this kind of naturally, uh, uh, it was a natural fit for my skill set. And also I really think, you know, again, kind of a parallel to my IT experience. I love to optimize and improve systems and make them more efficient. If I can apply that same thing to people, that would just be so rewarding, right? Just, you know, you, you help people grow and then become something else, right? That's, that's super rewarding to me. And that's kind of where, where the desire came from. And I just, I just had a few people, you know, very organically just growing it through, you know, connecting with people and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, you want to work with me for a while. And then just kind of slowly developed it and, and brought some more people on as, as students and just kind of keep developing the program as you go along. There's not, you know, I don't have a, a, an online, what do you call it? Like a course you can buy, or I don't have, you know, a big community. It's just kind of one-on-one -on -one talking to people and, and, and keeping them accountable and help them achieve success. So I just, I just, enjoy doing it that's really kind of the bottom line of it i guess nice so it, it it's from past experiences teaching that you knew you would enjoy mm -hmm. being a teacher and then it just made sense to find students and teach them what you know 
Yeah, sounds like that's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> cool. Cool. So it sounds like it's been a, a great journey so far right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Jens, I got three questions. I ask every guest in the show. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. Great. First one. What is the best investment you've ever made? That is actually, I think, the syndication we just finished in, uh, or closed in June in uh, in Pennsylvania. We had our first three months. Um, we paid out after the three months, and I think our annualized return was like 14% or something like that. Nice. So it's like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> after three months, not doing a whole lot of value out of anything. So That's great. A lot of times... Uh... At the at the beginning, right after people close, they have maybe occupancy goes down or something like that, and cash flow might not be great initially, and then they have to wait. So it's great that you were able to cash flow early on. On the other side of that, what is the worst investment you've ever made? <laughs> so that is a passive investment in a coffee slash coconut syndication in oh Central America. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a long-term investment, but it was in a country that has had some challenges recently, so things are not going all too well there. I don't know if they're going to be able to turn that thing around, but I try to diversify, and we'll see. Interesting. I come back, on a, I come back in a couple of years and see, I'll tell you how that's been going. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to check in on that. I uh, I've seen a lot of those. Central America agricultural investments. And personally, I've decided not to invest just because you're usually reliant on one operator. And, you know, even though that he might be a great guy, he might have a heart attack tomorrow or something like that. And yeah. I'm just not super comfortable with that. So that's why I've stayed away. But other people have had great results. So you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Third question, my favorite one. What is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? Just taking daily const, uh, action, basically, just small things that just build up to those results, right? Don't give up. Just keep working towards your goals. So that's, that's I think that's the most important thing we, we can do. And uh, the results may not uh, materialize immediately, but if we keep piling on, it's like, you know, if you go to run a marathon, you don't go out there and run a marathon the first day. You do a mile or two and three and you slowly build up. So the same thing with this investing, any kind of business, you need to grow yourself, your, your abilities, and also, you know, your team and your network. And that's, that's really what I've, I practice. Nice. Nice. I like that. So Jens, thank you for teaching us what you've learned today. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about your business. Where can they get in touch? Yes, my email is Jens, J-E-N-S, at opendoors, with an S, opendoorscapital.com. And if anybody wants to get on a free call, you know, talk about investing or coaching or anything, they can go to opendoorscapital.com slash call. So opendoorscapital.com slash call and schedule a free call with me to talk about anything they, they would like. Great. I especially appreciate what you said about building trust with people. That's something that um, I'm working on getting better at myself. And it's always inspiring when you meet people who are either innately very good at it, or they've really built up that skill to build trust with people. It's always inspiring to see that. And it's great to hear from you that you've identified that as a, an important skill that we need to target. And I know for 
myself, my takeaway from our discussion today is that I need to keep working on that and, and keep focusing on building trust with people because that's very important. So thanks for that. And thanks for everything else today. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks. I really appreciate your time today. You too. It is a Saturday night at seven o'clock my time. So you're definitely, you're definitely really working. So you're putting in that daily. (laughs) Right on. I appreciate that. Sounds good. Thank you. Everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating review on iTunes. It's a very big help. If you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. I hope you have a great day and a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Take care. Bye-bye.